Welcome to Don't Drink the Tea. It's the Agatha Christie podcast where we analyze her books one by one. I'm Josh. And I'm Charlotte. And today we are joined by a very special guest uh, who is connected to the Christie universe with a new book that she's written. So we want to introduce Anne. Thank you for joining us. Hi, thank you for having me. It's a treat to be here. We We are are so excited. Super excited. I am. And uh, so, so it's Anne, Anne Claire. Anne Claire. Has written the book with the best title of 2022 for certain, Dead in Gondola. Um, Absolutely. So, yes. That Whenever I saw that title, I was like, yes, that is the greatest title. I want, <laughs> I wish I'd come up with that title. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so what is your book about? If you want to tell our listeners who may have not discovered it yet. Okay. Um, Dead and Gondola features two sisters, um, Ellie and Meg Christie. They're both named Christie, and but unfortunately they have no relationship, no genealogical relationship to their favorite author, who is Agatha Christie. But um, when a murder takes place in their small Colorado town, they have to call on their inner Miss Marples to solve the crime. And their special skill is they know a lot about mysteries from working in a bookshop and being huge mystery fans. Nice. Super relatable. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and it is as fun as it sounds. <laughs> oh, thank you. And wait, now I, did, I had an impromptu question just based off of my, my introduction now already. So did, did the idea to have a gondola in the book come first or did the name Dead and Gondola come first? Oh, gosh. Do you remember? I don't actually remember. but. Um, a couple years back, my husband and I went out to there's Telluride, Colorado has a gondola, much like the scene in the book. Mm. And you know, it goes up and down the mountain. It's this little glass bubble. If people are thinking like Venetian gondolas, it's not that. It's the ski tram, the ski gondolas that go up right. and down the mountain. And I thought, well, what a great place to discover a body, right? It's the sealed glass container that rolls around up and down the mountain. So I'm not sure if the, maybe the name came because when you write cozy mysteries, you're always looking for great puns. Right. right. Oh, please don't let it be taken yet. And so <laughs> I was, I think I, I wanted a ski country, a uh, mountain Colorado kind of setting. So gondola might've come first, but then the idea of, yay, they could, they can find a body in the gondola. That's fantastic. Yeah. And it took me two or three times hearing it to get it because mm -hmm. I'm a little slow. But then when it when it sunk in, I'm like, oh, that's really good. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that that um speaks well to the first question that we that we wanted to ask was like, what was the spark for this story? So this is your first, you know, mystery that well, you've written. Well, I have two other pen names. Oh, <laughs> I, good wow. for you. I, I do say I'm one introvert with three names going on, all three pen names. <laughs> so I had a series set in New Mexico, and then I had um, a bookmobile mystery set in Georgia. And then now I'm here in Colorado, and I really wanted a Colorado mountain setting. Nice. And so then, and I love the book aspect and the and the scenery, and so that all came together. So I'm really thrilled about the the combo of it. Oh, so, what fun! Well, I'm glad to know that there are other things out there, so yeah. that we have more to read. Because I was yeah. like, yeah, I'm just gonna have to like wait for a sequel now. <laughs> so what <laughs> no, are the no. other what are the other names that that the books are under? 
I um, Anne Myers was my first series, and that's the Santa Fe Cafe Mysteries. They're set in Santa Fe, New Mexico. It was a culinary cozy. I just love New Mexican cuisine, and we were going down there a lot. And then there's the Bookmobile Mysteries as Nora Page. And they feature, I love her too. She was a senior sleuth and she drove around in a school bus bookmobile solving crimes. That's fantastic. That's yeah. So cool. and, and then um, Anne Claire with the Christie Bookshop Mysteries. So that's fabulous. And that makes a lot of sense because as I was reading this, I, I felt like it. It had the voice of, of a like a skilled writer, so it's like, wow, this is a debut novel. That's impressive, but uh, that makes it's just as impressive knowing that you've got a few under your belt as well. Yeah, and I love the your use of metaphor is like one of my favorite things. You have such lovely ways of expressing things and making them feel so real. Like on in chapter one, on the very first page. Um, the one that somebody comes into the bookshop, her name is Morgan, and it, it says Morgan stomped uh, fur, faux fur boots so plush they should have been hibernating. Oh, thanks. And that was like, that was when I knew I was like, yeah, this this is going to be good. This, this is going to be a good book. <laughs> oh, thank you. And it keeps up that through the whole, through the whole book. And Josh and I've already talked about this because this happens on every episode. We start out talking about the book. We're like, are we going to spoil it? Or are we not going to spoil it? No, we won't spoil it. 15 minutes later, we're like, oh yeah, we're spoiling the book. So we are not, we decided we are not spoiling this one, right, Josh? I'll try not to either. I realize when I'm talking about it, sometimes I'll give, yeah. yeah. I'll try not to either. <laughs> you're allowed. To you're you're totally no, entitled. <laughs> yeah, we don't want anybody to know, to know the ending because it's a great ending and we want them to go out and read it. So we're okay with spoiling books that have been out for a hundred years. <laughs> you had a chance to read it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like, if someone doesn't know the end of the Orient Express, that's their fault. <laughs> did you did you ask your question, Charlotte? Or did, did we get sidetracked from it? Yeah, we did. Uh, we were talking about the uh, the setting, that it was the oh, right, right, right and like the Colorado setting was that what you really wanted with this one. Yeah, I just made, wanted to make sure I didn't uh, skip ahead. I have a reputation for interrupting uh, Charlotte, so I want to make sure I didn't do that. No, please go ahead, Josh. Your turn. <laughs> um. So yeah. So that's how you got the idea for the mystery. So since uh, this isn't even your first event, you've written several. How how do you go about crafting a mystery? Like, what do you start at? What are the points that you have to go through to craft this? this plot oh I feel like I should know better by now every time I think I'm gonna just do this and every time there seems to be a fresh struggle and I don't know if I I guess I shouldn't be admitting to struggles there's struggles though um usually I'll start with the setting for this one I really love the setting and I just tend to love settings and then I try to find characters who go with the settings I think for the first book I had the setting first book way back, I had the setting and the character. And for this one too, I had the setting that I really dreamed of. And then a bookshop that was just my dream bookshop, this old chalet style bookshop that's been there forever. And it's a, a destination. I thought, oh, I want to work there. It's my dream. <laughs> um, but then I also wanted, I think, a duo of two sisters, um, just so they could be bouncing ideas off each other and not 
you know, there's more people around that can help with the crime and solving the crime. And so then from there, I have to know who did it. And again, not, not to give anything away, but I think I, I have to know who's going to end up the culprit. Otherwise, I'll just meander off. I've tried to write books before where I didn't know, and it just it didn't come to me. Everyone was being way too nice to the end, and it was like somebody <laughs> had to have done this. So I have to know that too. I love that though. I love that image that it paints that you just you've written a little village of people and that you like them all so much. It's hard to make one a bad guy. I like that. <laughs> that was my first, well, the one I, I wrote a book once and it never got published rightfully. So, but everyone was being <laughs> too nice. <laughs> and there was no, I mean, someone was dead, but none of them had done it. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. And no, that's great. Uh, admitting to struggles is fantastic because it makes the rest of us feel so much better that it's not just like someone sits down and breezily just, just rattles off this perfect tale. Yeah. yeah I see people, I read of people doing this. I think, oh, I want to be that person. But yeah, no, I have to outline and then I'll re-outline and things I've just chopped half a book and then wrote it again so <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is a, a true testament to like that this is really a calling for you then that despite the struggles that you keep doing it right I do keep doing it sometimes <laughs> I wonder I was telling you earlier I just finished a draft and I was thinking my goodness but yeah I really enjoy doing it it's a, it's a great pleasure to be able to do it so you get to live in your own little fantasy world there with your character friends and setting. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> so do you, ha have you written any uh, fiction that isn't uh, mystery based? I have not. And um, yeah, no, I seem to have to have a dead body to craft a book yes. around. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what this says about me. <laughs> Years ago, someone asked me the same question. I was like, how can I do that? <laughs> and I still haven't figured it out. That's awesome. Josh has uttered those very same words yes. before. <laughs> really? <laughs> I always think, that's why I wanted to ask, because I always think, you know, mystery is hard because you have to have everything before you start. It, you know, you can't do what some of the great writers say they do, which is just like, I just sit down and I begin to write and then they put out, but with mystery, you have to have it all beforehand and so I'm like well I'm, I want to try to write like a, a straight fiction book because it'll be easier and then it's like wait but no not really do <laughs> it's it. not fun. Yeah. yeah yep no, where's the body <laughs> yeah, no I can't even imagine I, I know that's bad of me I should try <laughs> but I love reading mysteries and and so mm -hmm. Try to write that. Yeah, and it's it's more of a like Josh said, there are definitely, you know, rules like okay, the checklist of things for certain types of mystery, but mm -hmm. yeah, it that presents quite a challenge in itself. I think there's a lot of people who write straight fiction who are probably like, oh wow, yeah, that would be that would be really tough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are certain rules for uh, cozy mysteries, especially you want them in certain <laughs> yeah, you can't have too much gore, you can't have too much explicit anything, but but that's what makes them fun too. You have to figure out how these everyday characters are going to solve the crime, and I think that's what's fun about Miss Marple and Agatha Christie's characters too. Is like how are they going to figure this out if they're not in the police investigation directly? Right. 
Right. Yeah. And yeah, the, the stakes can still be high mm-hmm. and it can be enjoyable. And I know that Josh and I both working in a bookstore, I like to be pretty careful about what I personally recommend to people because everybody's sensitivities are very different. So a book like, like yours, it's like, it feels like, okay, you can, you can enjoy it. You know, it does have higher stakes, but I never feel like, you know, I could, I could recommend it to anybody like, and that, and I like that about it. that about cozies. I've had my nieces when they were younger, read them like preteens and and the cozies are, yeah, you can read them from young to old and they're going to be okay. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. That's a great thing about them that anybody can read them at any time too. Mm -hmm. So that probably leads well into some of the uh, Agatha Christie questions that Josh is dying to ask. So I know a lot of people do discover Christie when they are young, based off of what you said. So how did you discover Agatha Christie? I, this is one of these things where I've, I didn't discover her until, I mean, I felt like I knew Agatha Christie. This is the thing. When I proposed this book, I thought, I love mysteries. I love Christie. I know about her. And then I realized, oh, no, I do not. <laughs> I <haven't> read- <laughs> I haven't read, I mean, there's so much to read. And so when I started this a while ago, I thought, well, I'll just, I'll start reading all Agatha Christie's. Well, that wasn't gonna, (laughs) that would have taken me every moment of the day. So I'm still working my way through Agatha Christie and I'm having so much fun doing it. So I feel like I've, I mean, it seems silly, but I have discovered new things about her and and fiction or not nonfiction about her too has been so interesting I've been reading a lot about her life and what she wrote about her travels and that's I didn't know any of any of that I knew some of the main stories but I didn't know about Christy herself and that's been really fun yeah that's super cool so are you reading them like in chronological order or are you just as you discover them just as I discover them yeah I started off with good intentions of writing, of reading them right through yeah. chronologically and keeping a spreadsheet, and I've fallen off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's how most people, like, we're only reading them chronologically for the podcast, mm-hmm. for the structure, but I think almost everybody who discovers her, it's like, you know, which book did you find at your local bookstore, and mm-hmm. like, which one caught your eye, and then you kind of, because I, I, often say I read her last book it was one of the first books that I read and I was like why did I do this <laughs> but oh, well. it just was the one I picked up <laughs> but I think that's great you can do you feel this way you're the experts on this but you can read them out of order and oh yeah most mostly right yeah it's I was just gonna say the same thing that's the nice thing about Christy is that that's not even when she had the the um the usual characters like the Poirots and the Marples like yeah you can you can read them out of order and not having missed anything because each one is its own little gem that does it she occasionally references her own work but it's not like there's any major plot points or anything that you're going to miss by having read them out of order yeah and I've read I was again confessing to you earlier that I sometimes well I often forget the endings of books and so with hers I've gone back and read them a couple times a couple of them to see how she's done it and that's amazing too to see the little references she puts in or Mm -hmm. you said the allusions to uh, previous books that's been fun yeah yeah that's I'm right there with you on that one (laughs) so many so many times and Josh can tell you that 
I'll be like, oh, I was three quarters of the way through. And then I was remembered who did it. <laughs> and I wish I had that. Actually, no, one, we are the next book that we're covering is Sparkling Cyanide. And I know I have read that book uh, when I was like very young. Mm -hmm. And I'm happy to say that right now I have no idea who did it. I cannot remember. I, and so that's, that's bringing me joy. And I, now I know why you seem to enjoy that problem so much, Charlotte, because when, <laughs> yes, when you're reading a book, a, a mystery book, you get to, I think it's one of those things you always want to have read it for the first time again. Yeah, and to have that feeling of surprise. So if you can actually have that Men in Black memory, <laughs> then you should have it. That's what I have. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So you started reading young. How young did you start reading? Oh, do you remember Charlotte? How young I was? Because well, <laughs> why don't you tell your story? Because mine picks up where where you 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 brought me in. Yeah. So I had this um, fantastic. I, I was probably like nine or 10 and this fantastic older lady who was a neighbor and she was like, have you ever read Agatha Christie? And I said, uh, no, but I like to read. And she's like, well, you should read. Uh, and then there were none. And so mm -hmm. I did. And, it, you know, that changes everything. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so then I don't know, Josh, were you probably the same thing, like eight, 10, something like yeah, that? Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah. And, and she had given my brother a copy of Murder, Roger Ackroyd. And I was like, well, let me read that. And then that like changed my entire reading taste. I was like, I'm never reading a book for kids ever again. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> that's awesome. And so uh, do you remember like the first one that you read or like how you, which one you discovered first, or maybe it was a movie or something like that? Oh boy. Oh, I wish I could remember things. <laughs> I have, if my mother were here, she would be attesting to my poor memory. I think I'm <laughs> blank. <laughs> so I wish I should come up with a better answer and put it in my mind too. That I yeah, you could just lie. We, we I could, lie. I could. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I really, um, I read a lot as a kid. And I think like you, I read things just across the spectrum of mm -hmm. not necessarily kid stuff, but mm -hmm. I don't remember the first Agatha Christie I read. That, that's fine yeah yeah that, that's okay yeah. <laughs> because that means whatever it was you can go back and read it again it's true I can yeah now I know uh, going back to um going back to your work at in Dead and Gondola the, a very important thing is is the bookstore mm -hmm. um so and you said that was your like your dream bookstore that you created there that you would love to work mm -hmm. in have you ever worked in a bookstore before I have not. I have to confess, I have not. Um, I do come from a small town in Pennsylvania, and I have friends that run their own bookstore there in a town of about 3,000 people. And so I think of them when I'm writing that, but no, I have not had the chance to. Oh, to see. So that is that is so amazing to me because I marked this because I was like, okay, I have I have to talk about this. This because this is so real. What you what you wrote, um, the so Ellie was um cleaning up the store and rearranging some things mm -hmm. so she said i stepped up to the mystery display table books lay scattered like autumn leaves i tidied straightened and stacked when i was done a book easel stood empty and waiting i set the vintage book on it moved the easel front and center and stepped back to admire lovely i had a feeling the mysterious book would find its perfect match someone would understand it and treasure it 
that is so real. <laughs> I thought that had to be your actual I'm experience. I'm so glad to hear that. I'm so glad. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> because so many times that's happened. We work in a, Josh and I work at the same bookstore and it's, it's very small. So you get one new release in that may mean you have to rearrange an entire section, right, Josh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and when you have done all of that and you, it's like this, this big puzzle, and then you end up with that one empty easel and you have the perfect mm-hmm. homeless book that you can set right there. It's oh. so satisfying. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. <laughs> so you're, you're, you're keeping it real. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I also felt that your the book club was very real. Have you hosted a book club or been in plenty of book clubs? I've been in book clubs. I'm not in one now. Um, years ago, we used to live in Florida, and there was this great book club that that would meet at people's houses, and mm. you know, lots of Chardonnay and books and yeah. <laughs> things like that. We should have met in the in a bookstore. <laughs> yeah, that that felt uh, was we we have started a a book club for mystery books so, oh, so fun. reading that it felt like oh yeah this is this is some of the thing some of the characters that we have and some of the things that you say when you're in a book club and like the the antsy feelings you get beforehand and all that so yeah, yeah it did feel it felt true to us having experience and even uh like for me reading it the the Christie references throughout it didn't because we've talked about this before uh, there's so many things that are Agatha Christie related that have come out just in this year. And sometimes I'll read one and I'll say, this person has like, this person doesn't really know a lot about Agatha Christie. They're just kind of faking it to, to attach themselves to the name. But I, I did not feel that way with, with Dead and Gondola because the references were so scattered throughout her work and also like some were very well-known books and some were like very obscure books like I really liked the quote that Christy had about bookstores about the books running the place which is from the clocks I think I think so yeah 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 and that I mean that's that's not a a quote that you'll see on a pillow but (laughs) it was so cool to see it in the book it's like oh I remember that one from the clock yeah that's good to hear thank you thank you well I I will say I always qualify this that my characters are the ones when I made them I wanted them to be Agatha Christie experts and I thought well gosh (laughs) I have to write them I better step up so like I said I've been a really good time learning about her and what she did and yeah it's been fun that's so cool yeah that's great and that's that is what you said earlier um am I blanking out or am I good you're good Okay. (laughs) Um, That's another cool thing that you had um, mentioned earlier that looking at Christie's work is amazing. Um, She's just, we talk about this all the time about how she did so many things that for the very first time, or if she didn't do them for the first time, she still is the, she did them the best. Yeah. Uh, but also her as a person, her life was so fascinating. Her personality was so interesting mm-hmm. and learning about her as a person is equally as enjoyable as her, her body of work. Yeah. It's really been, yeah. I've been just fascinated to learn about her. And like you said, the first, the bold first things she does and like going surfing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> first one of the first Western women to surf. I just, I never would have guessed that. Cause I think I had an image of her, that picture you see of her in older age, which is, mm-hmm. and you think of her sitting down writing, but there she was surfing on a worldwide tour and doing archeology span with her second husband. I mean, she's so, she's so cool. And yet 
shy too or at least you described yourself as shy which I thought okay I can relate to Agatha Christie in that way <laughs> yeah absolutely she was you know a pretty uh introverted but like made herself you know mm-hmm. a part of things that might have made her uncomfortable knowing that it was it was good for her and also good for her writing uh, yeah just fascinating Mm-hmm. So in your journey, what has been your favorite Agatha Christie, or at least like some of the top ones mm-hmm. that you've enjoyed the most? This is so hard because every time I'm reading one, I think, well, this one's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do like, and then there were none just because it's so amazing. Look how did she, yeah, it's just amazing. And the murder of Roger Ackroyd, just because of also amazing and, and uh-huh. right? <laughs> Um, I like Murder at the Vicarage just because they're having so much fun with it. Like, oh, this is blonde in the library. I just like those little funny lines. Mm-hmm. But and then some of the short stories, I like those two that she does. Um, Midwinter Murders, I liked, and 13 Problems, things like that. Mm-hmm. Just quick ones. Mm-hmm. Do you have favorites? Have you come up with a favorite yet? Well, we're always saying, and then there were none because. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think Universal, it's just one of the best, mis- I mean, probably the, the best mystery book ever written. And so we're always trying to think of like something else to say, not because mm-hmm. that book isn't the best, but just to have an original answer, because mm-hmm. that's what we say all the time. Um, and one that we've had recently was Toward Zero that we both really were surprised at how much we've liked it. Okay, all right. And um, yeah, and uh, N or M um, was a was a deep cut that like we had forgotten how great it was or I had forgotten (laughs) how great it was. And that one I enjoyed a lot. And it's never one that I think to recommend to people, um, but it was it was really well done and and so different from the I mean, because her work was just all over the place. She just tried new things and um different settings but yeah that one was really neat too okay and uh one thing that you was that's mentioned in your book is um one of her uh mary westmacott stories so have you read those two i that one that i mentioned in her book um, yeah i listened to that one while i was gardening during the pandemic and it's quite devastating (laughs) not an uplifting book (laughs) no (laughs) what's what's super neat is um right as we were reading your book I realized that absent in the spring is one of the I mean it's the next book we're covering on the podcast and I mean we are going to talk about it after we're done talking with you today that's how next it was I want to hear what you say about it yeah I mean I'm just going on my personal thing there and I thought oh my gosh this is crushing yeah (laughs) And I, it was intense. Yeah. And I had never, I had like, I'm a insane, like I, I, there's nothing that I haven't devoured from her, but that one had just slipped through my fingers. I knew literally nothing about it. And so reading what you said about absent in the spring made me, because the first two Mary Westmacott's that we've, that we've covered in, I know you said you hadn't read them, but the first two, it's like, they weren't, we weren't that in love with them. Like they weren't that they weren't that captivating but the way you talked about absent in the spring in dead and gondola I was like now I'm really excited to start it and it was so cool that they they happened so close so I think it's going to be cool for our listeners to have your book 
and then that book back to back in our podcast but that it, oh, it was so cool how you featured it into the plot mm-hmm. I just wanted to read one of those and that's the one I read and I thought oh my goodness it's so <laughs> it's so yeah it's a very powerful book it's very I was just at the end of it I thought oh my gosh yeah <laughs> they're depressing but that was what made it and she she wrote it in something like three days or something yeah. too, and she just mm-hmm. poured that thing out you wonder what she was thinking right yeah, yeah I want because while I was reading it I was I was thinking how and I mean you as a professional writer um, how can you write that quick I, I mean how how long would you say it's taken you to write the book this book that we're talking about now Dead and Gondola Oh, I think it took me, I want to say like nine months. Mm. I had a, a year deadline, but I, I can spend a lot. <laughs> I can yeah. keep changing things forever if no one stops me. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, to do it that quickly. And this, I'm always amazed to hear writers who do that with some of these massive books, like um, right. Remains of the Day, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. Like a month or something like that. I find that just so amazing. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how you could even sit down and, and know that many words to type one after the other. No, without... I keep hoping it'll come to me in a weekend. Yeah. I'll, I'll produce something, but yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, that's, it, yeah, I, I would like to have a weekend that productive. <laughs> yeah, because I read, <laughs> I read a sentence that said it was a, a uh, uh, what did it say? It was like a, a uh hot something weekend like it like it was just this weekend she was like I'm gonna write this book and I will not stop and I was like man I can't even like clean out my closet (laughs) right exactly I find that yeah I did that yesterday it was a good weekend (laughs) (laughs) yep still counts as productive and and I think you know what you were saying Anne about how like heavy and and really um strong that book is I think it was probably it almost seemed like it was something therapeutic for her because she had said that before that the West Maycotts you know she wrote those for herself that her mysteries were for people who loved them and expected them but that the West Maycotts were for were for her and it does feel very very personal like you are inside someone's head Mm -hmm. it does do you uh, ever write uh, autobiographical in any of your mysteries? Like, are you, can we find Anne in any of those characters? Oh, I try not to. I, I think I slip in into some of them. Like, <laughs> usually it's things like I don't do. Like, um, oh, like in the first book, there was somebody who couldn't dance to save her life. And that's me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> characters who can't knit, that's also me. <laughs> failures of a cozy world things like that um but also just the love of books Um, I just finished the second draft uh the second book first draft of the second book and the sisters are involved in a um they have a cousin who set up a book bookish matchmaking service so you get matched to your new true love by books and I realized as I I gave it to a, a reader and she thought the sisters would be skipping off delightedly to these blind dates and the sisters are being much like me they're like oh my goodness I want to stay home and read uh-huh. <laughs> so I think I slip in a little bit of these things and maybe <laughs> but just yeah that's it's relatable that we, yeah 
I think right. for bookish types, it's relatable. Maybe other people are like, yeah, you were going out on a dark Friday night. And <laughs> yeah. home, but the sisters, they want to stay home and read. So I'm hoping for bookish types, it's somewhat relatable. I, I, I was right along with them the whole way with like, uh, yeah, there's mac and cheese at home. Yeah, well, let's do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, um, what what else can you tell us about? Um, so it it is with the same. The next one is with the same characters, and um, do you have a title or? I do. It's called Last Word to the Wise. Um, using the name of the town as Little Last Word, Colorado. So. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah. and it's about. Uh, it's about this bookish dating service, and of course, um, murder takes place. <laughs> I was going to say, there's got to be a body, right? <laughs> got to be a body, and so the sisters are again involved. They have to um, clear Meg's name for this one. She's a she's a suspect. So, oh, yes. I like that. Yeah, and so I hope I hope we'll see. I just turned it in, but it's oh, fun to go back gosh. to the same place and do the same characters, and then add a few new ones too, of course. Yeah. That is so exciting. I really like the, the concept of uh, of the matchmaking, uh, not not of doing it, <laughs> but uh, in the book, I really like that concept. Yeah, that's a that's a nice uh, a nice backdrop, a nice setting. There's so many things that can go wrong and that's what makes it, you know, such good territory. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, so one kind of subset of characters that I wanted to talk about in, in the one in Dead and Gondola are the animal presence is mm-hmm. fantastic. Um, so we have, I'll, I'll work backwards. So we've got the moose, which I, I think is, even though only casually mentioned, I find very important. <laughs> Thank you for mentioning that. I like the moose. It's in the second book too. <laughs> good. Oh my gosh. Good. <laughs> I'm so happy. <laughs> now, have you sidetrack? Have you have you seen a moose before? I have seen a moose. Yeah, awesome. Yes, <laughs> but always when you if you're driving around Colorado and you see this giant traffic jam in the middle of nowhere, it's a moose sighting. Like everybody, all the tourists stop. Everybody stops. So moose sighting is quite the <laughs> the thing. That's so cool. Uh, if you have not heard it yet uh jim gaffigan the, the comedian does an amazing mm-hmm. bit about seeing a moose for the first time it is i just saw it recently okay. and it is hysterical but okay. um awesome. yes yeah, so we got the moose which is great and then we have calamity janet which was the the pony pony who appears several times in dead and gondola and then of course mm-hmm. we have agatha yes the, the bookshop cat yes <laughs> Which is awesome. And you have a couple cats yourself, right? I do, yes. A big cat person here. And I, I like pets and cozies. I think that's one of the fun things about cozy mysteries, cozy mysteries, is that you can add a pet character and they can participate. They can, I mean, in some cozies, they can help with solve the crime by talking it out. But but my my Agatha cat, Christy, she she gives a few clues and helps out a bit. Right. Mm-hmm. I loved her aloofness though. Like she, you know, she had her few, her people, air quotes, mm-hmm. she had her people, but that like her, uh, 
Yeah, her, you could just see her smug little face yeah. at all times, and that, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a, awesome. I have a Siamese cat, a fluffy one that she's she's modeled after, and she sits around looking like that sometimes. And that's I just thought, yes, that's what the bookshop cat is doing, looking aloof and posing for selfies, but grouchy looking. That's magic. Yeah, yeah. So so judging. Mm-hmm. They just look at you and you know that they're like, <laughs> really? That's what you're wearing? <laughs> exactly. And I love bookshop cats. Um, oh, and, yeah. Yeah. The friends I have in Pennsylvania, they have two bookshop cats that stay in the shop. And I just find, well, they're the best behaved cats for one thing. They don't go bolting out the doors like mine would or yeah. <laughs> hide from people like mine would. <laughs> And they're so world weary too, bookshop cats. Mm-hmm. They've like they've seen it all, they've heard yeah. it all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> books and cats go very well together. So yeah, love, love the animal presence in this book. And I am like extra excited now to know the moose is coming back. <laughs> That's <laughs> how you guarantee readers. <laughs> Come for the mystery, stay for the moose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um and Charlotte, did you have any more questions before I asked Zach's famous question? So I think that, you know, yeah, poor Zach, he can't be here. The guy usually has to interview himself. (laughs) So yeah, um, no, I have all of mine covered. Yeah, so Zach, um, he, he... he's not that interested in books, so he makes his own rules. And the question that he often likes to ask, is, and you can choose either one of these because I'm, I'm not going to ask you what's the highest number you can count to, <laughs> but what's your favorite dinosaur, or if you could be any dinosaur, which one would you be? Oh, see, you even gave me this question before we started, and the whole time in the back of my mind, it's dinosaurs. <laughs> and what I'm trying to figure out is a giant sloth, is it, it counts? <laughs> oh, Yeah okay sure why not if it's fossilized right it's <laughs> a pretty good one i don't know i'm gonna say giant sloth for any of those answers <laughs> Wait, to be a giant sloth makes sense i know that yeah, I'll do talking that. about yeah. dinosaurs was the last thing that you thought you'd be doing on the podcast <laughs> right. so i stuck to giant sloth i will be one <laughs> yeah not having a ready answer is not a bad thing <laughs> it's uh yeah but that's um you know, no matter how many more interviews you have done or go on to do, hopefully that question will stay up there in like the oddest ones you've ever been asked. <laughs> I might just, if anyone asks me if I have a question I want asked, I'll have to give that one with reference to you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, because um, uh, John Cleese, the the British uh, gentleman who was in Monty Python, um, you know, he did, you know, thousands of interviews and he would always say like everyone always asks me the same question I just want someone to ask me like something completely off the wall so there it is. <laughs> oh, so now you know how it feels now I know. <laughs> and be, I like I the giant sloth answer that's legit I'll be researching dinosaurs tonight instead of Agatha Christie <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really well, thank you so much for joining us. This was really fun. We oh, really appreciated fun. it. Thank we so definitely much. recommend everybody goes and reads uh, Dead and Gondola. We have plenty of them at our favorite bookstore, Wordplay in Wardensville, West Virginia. And look out for whenever that second book comes out and 
hopefully that you'll get a match. <laughs> you'll get a bookish match. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we will be looking forward to that. So last word to the wise was the, is the new one. Last word to the wise. It should be uh, if uh, everything keeps on schedule, it'd be next year around this time too. So, but uh, yeah, it's in gondolas out now. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, how fun. That's so great. And thank you so much for being such an awesome sport. And we've just so excited to have you. This really is, I think we're what, like 70 episodes in Josh. Mm -hmm. So this is really a big, a big deal for us. And we're delighted with the book, delighted to meet you. And again, thank you so very much. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's just a, it's a pleasure to be here and I appreciate it. Thanks. Fantastic.